0: Welcome to another edition of On the Inside Track. How do we know which choices are ours to make? How do we know the best choices to make? Join me as my guests and I explore defining moments from there to here. I'm Debbie Hazelton on the Inside Track. Happy New Year, everyone. Here we are in 2017, and my first guest this year is someone many of you know and have admired for quite some time, my friend Laura Legendary. Thank you, Laura, for being here. I want to welcome you to this show on the Inside Track. And, Thanks, Debbie. Um, I'm thrilled to have you. Um, I have been an admirer of yours for quite some time now, and we all get so busy, I don't say it often enough or show it often enough, but you are an incredible leader in the blindness field, but not only the blindness field. I mean, you're just out there in many circles uh, making a positive difference.
1: Well, thank you, Debbie, and thank you for having me on. And I'm a big fan of yours, both professionally and personally. Mm-hmm. So I thank you. am really thrilled at the opportunity to be able to speak to your audience.
0: What are some defining moments that have added to choices that you've made?
1: Well, certainly when I was diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa, I think that would certainly be expected of anyone who... You may be interviewing who has had some sight at one point in their life only to be diagnosed with some sort of disease or condition that would change their visual acuity. So that was a changing point for me. And of course, throughout my adult life, there have been a few other turning points. Probably among the most recent would have been the passing of my husband not long after we married, which started me off on my most current path.
0: Mm. Wow. You mean the passing started you on a current path or the marriage started you on a current path?
1: Well, perhaps both, because had he not passed away just five months and 13 days, After we married, I would not have started my business, which was entirely inspired by him. And had he not passed away, I probably would be non-existent to the blindness community in the way that I exist now. I doubt very much I would have pursued social media because I did so as a direct result of starting my business, and I very probably would be much less involved in the disability community in the way that I am now. I've always been an advocate. I've been a long-time professional speaker and educator, but I doubt very much the community would know me the way they do now, were it not for my isn't marriage and subsequent being widowed. Yes. Wow! Isn't that
0: it's a, It's kind of a double-edged situation what a tremendous loss and love to have found and lost and at the same time all that it's brought forth
1: i certainly was on a different trajectory and i certainly would never have predicted i would be where i am now was he sighted no and when you say that
0: getting diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa Were you experiencing problems with your vision before you were diagnosed?
1: I've never had 20-20 vision. I was born legally blind. Mm -hmm. And I think my severe myopia was only one issue. I was actually misdiagnosed for many years Mm -hmm. as my vision deteriorated. And I was in constant care from an ophthalmologist who was never really able to understand why was it that my vision continued to deteriorate, it wasn't until I was in my mid-teens where I received the correct diagnosis from a doctor with respect to what was going on in addition to the myopia. So while I've always been legally blind, I didn't actually begin losing my eyesight in earnest until I would say I was in college, when it really became problematic.
0: And But those are pivotal years, college Absolutely. Years.
1: Yes, but I have to tell you that I'm very privileged in that I had a strong support system. And upon receiving my diagnosis, I was not one of those people who had difficulty accepting what was going to happen. I never struggled through the why me stage. Mm -hmm. I went right to acceptance. And Mm -hmm. my parents did something for me that I think has held me in good stead throughout my entire life, which was to expose me to as many experiences and skills and abilities and resources that they possibly could. I learned how to build things. I learned Mm -hmm. how to fix things. Mm -hmm. I learned how to be entirely self-sufficient. I -hmm. learned how to learn. I Mm -hmm. learned when to ask for help. I learned how to be strong. And it was that influence and support by my parents who saw to it that I saw everything I could. We traveled Mm -hmm. everywhere we could. I was given the opportunity to closely examine and to understand and to fully educate myself on the ways of the sighted world because I knew that it was my last chance.
0: What a way to embrace every moment. And I see you as a survivalist, you know. I mean, I, I can almost picture you, somebody like as you wearing something that would have a whole bunch of pockets and everything you need is there and you know exactly where to go to get exactly what you need. And you, you, you're not usually caught off guard. At least that's how, that's how you come off, come across as you're not usually caught off guard
1: because you are a survivalist. Well, it's interesting that you say that because it may, in one way, be literally true as well as figuratively true, (laughs) because my father is an outdoorsman, a true conservationist, and as I was growing up, we had many family vacations spent in a tent out in the wilderness, Mm. and my father taught me outdoor skills it's so antithetical to the way people know me now. But I learned to hunt and fish and survive in the wilderness. Um, Mm. Doubtful that I could pull that off these days. But (laughs) I grew up with those skills. And so my parents taught me in a very real way, how to survive nearly anything. And some of the early opportunities to test those skills came to me throughout my life, both my young life and my adult life. And so, depending on how you look at things, you might perceive that as a wonderful learning experience, a tough life lesson. Yeah. Um, But I think that in many ways, I am stronger as a result of those experiences. And again, it's funny, you should choose to use the word survivor, because in a very specific moment in time, speaking of turning points, after my husband died, I became someone that I doubt anyone who knows me would recognize. You hear about the cliche about the five stages of grief or whatever Mm -hmm. it is Mm -hmm. and it was frustrating to me at the time because the business of death is replete with cliches Mm. i quickly grew tired of the platitudes the turn that frown upside down the make lemonade out of lemons all of All of those things that people would tell me, I experienced 367 stages of grief simultaneously. I became very angry, and I lashed out. I was hostile. I was inconsolable. I was combative. I was resentful. I was bitter, and Mm -hmm. I was brutal. And I was non-responsive for a period of some months, And then my family intervened. And one of the ways that they intervened was that they insisted I go to grief counseling, Mm -hmm. which I did not want to undertake. Mm -hmm. But I was pressured into going, and I was angry, and I resented it. I couldn't think of anything less productive than to spill my guts in front of a room full of strangers. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the counseling session, which went on for some weeks, I was given a little gift, and the gift was a little worry stone. It was literally a rock, Mm -hmm. a smooth little rock, and someone handed it to me, and she said that this was a little talisman, a little token, that she hoped would help me continue to move forward, and she told me to turn it over. And on the other side of the stone, the word survivor was embossed in braille Mm. and I was speechless I was really moved that they would have gone out of their way to create something special just for me because I lived in a small town at the time and I was probably a among a small handful of people who were blind, certainly the only blind person that ever went through the grief counseling program, I would imagine. And I was, I was really touched by this, and it broke through that anger and resentment that I was feeling. And as I was turning this stone over and over in my hand, I was thinking to myself, this is just amazing. I wonder if there's any way I could drill a little hole in it, maybe drop a bezel around it and hang it on a chain around my neck. And in a single instant, like a bolt of lightning, the entire concept of the Elegant Insights Braille Creations business came to me in a single flash of inspiration. And I went home and that afternoon I spent the rest of the day in front of the computer and in a matter of hours I had everything. I had the business name. I had the product line. I had the product descriptions. I had a business plan. I was completely overtaken by the inspiration. And Mm. that's how Elegant Insights began.
0: That is beautiful.
1: And does this woman know
0: That she had such an impact?
1: No idea. Wow. I never went back. Mm -hmm. I never saw any of those people again. And no, they have no idea. And one of the reasons I was so angry, in addition to the fact that I'd lost my husband, I was still a newlywed. I hadn't even finished changing my name yet. We were still receiving wedding gifts. Mm. So... I was so angry because of all of the people who insisted upon reminding me how strong I was and how people would tell me, you'll get through this. Maybe you can go on a speaking tour and talk about this. Maybe you can write about it. And I was so angry at the people who were plying me with the the phoenix rising from the ashes kinds of scenarios Mm -hmm. when all I wanted to do was push everyone away Mm -hmm. and wallow in my grief. And at my earliest opportunity, my plan was to take my own life. Mm -hmm. And in an effort to make sure I alienated everyone around me, I became this horrible person. Mm -hmm. And it was this intervention and this moment that changed all of that for me.
0: That is incredible. I see that you know how to live with high standards and approach your life and expect a great deal from what you do, from what you produce. And at the same time, you pour out something that is so loving to people. There is something about how you approach people how you interact I see it when you're online I feel it from you and I imagine that you help a lot of people feel better even if it's just in a moment where you are right there when they're just like you know like screaming with what's going on you have a way pushing yourself forward but at the same time giving people room to feel and be and feel really good in your presence.
1: Well, I appreciate that, Debbie. And I think that there are two factors that motivate those behaviors, I suppose. And that is, I know as well as anyone that life can be so difficult. Mm -hmm. I have not had an easy life my life continues to be filled with difficulty and adversity, as do many others. I have a great deal of empathy. Yes. And because life can be so hard, and there are so many people lurking around every corner, awaiting an opportunity to tear you down. Mm -hmm. If I can just give someone a little bit of an edge... If I can just strengthen them a little bit so that they can withstand some of what life throws in their direction, even if it's just with a pleasant greeting, Mm -hmm. then I have it to give. Why not give it? Mm -hmm. And the other aspect, I think, that I guess you would say informs those behaviors is something about me that I think most people don't know, at least I don't think it's necessarily obvious unless someone would take the time to get to know me. And that is really, I'm very sensitive. Mm -hmm. I'm very vulnerable. I'm really just a lost little girl inside. And Mm -hmm. I think that my life experiences have made it possible for me to observe the low moments, the difficult moments, the circumstances that can sometimes make people feel as though the world is stacked against you. Mm -hmm. And I felt that many times in my life. And you have to choose. You have to choose. Because if you don't choose, then life happens to you. Mm -hmm. And if you choose... you can at least live life on your own terms. Mm -hmm. So you have to choose to be strong. You have to decide how you're going to respond to something. Mm -hmm. Because if you're just a victim of everything life throws at you, then you deny yourself the opportunity to grow and learn. That's very, very true.
0: And yet... I appreciate a balance in you that does that and lives that. And at the same time, I don't hear you preach that at people. I hear you do something to bring them forward, do something to empower people in, well, many things to empower people. All of your work is about empowering people and helping people feel good.
1: I hope so, I do endeavor to do that every single day. And the reason that I don't preach it is because I resented so much when people did that to me. Yep. It was the cause of a great deal of my anger at the time. It infuriated me that people would Use my own strengths in a way against me. Ugh. I almost felt it was an accusation. Mm. You're so strong. Ugh. You'll get past this. Uh. I didn't want to get past no. it.
0: No, I hear that. Yeah,
1: and I'll I'll never get past it. You, n- when you lose a loved one in an unexpected or traumatic or a tragic way or suddenly, it changes who you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. It infuriated me the way people wanted to wrap it all up with a little ribbon and make it all neat and clean and tell me how strong I was and tell me everything was going to be fine when I didn't want everything to be fine. Mm -hmm.
0: Good point.
1: I don't want anyone to ever feel as though I am lecturing them, leveraging my own agenda on how I see the world on them. I want to allow people to be exactly who they are. Mm-hmm. And that comes
0: through in your warmth, in your playfulness. When I reach out to you, I always feel, I always feel like it's just a great day in that moment that we, that we connect. That's just what you do and who you are. And that's a beautiful way with everything that you're dealing with, with everything that you feel That's a tremendous way to be able to be in the world for people.
1: You have to decide.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And that's why looking at choices, landmark moments, and that, both of those major landmark moments. So you have put all of that in a way that helps to bring forward many things for people. Um, I'd like for you to talk about what you're doing here with ACB Radio, because I think it's really quite um, significant.
1: Well, another turning point in my life, coincidentally, was a conference I attended at UCLA. And it was a conference on the psychology of disability, which was a topic at the time I found fascinating. And I was privileged to listen to many prominent members of the disability community at the time give presentations. And as a result of that conference, I met a few people who are with me even today. One of them was a guest on my radio program, which for the listeners who don't know, it's called Legendary Insights. And I became an advocate in part due to this conference where I watched many leaders in the community give really inspiring presentations. And one of the quotes that came to me as a result of my research after this conference was a quote by a poet and playwright by the name of Neil Marcus who said, in part, disability is not... A brave struggle or courage in the face of adversity. Disability is an art. It's an ingenious way to live. And I've always loved that quote because I believe in the idea that disability is an ingenious way to live. I see disability in a holistic way, I see disability as just part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard the expression, once a man, twice a child, but at various points in our lives, everyone relies on someone else for something, whether it's permanent disability, whether it's a temporary illness, such as a cancer, whether it's a broken bone, whether it's a financial issue. At every point in our lives, there are opportunities for us to rely on other people. And disability is one of those points in our lives, whether it's because of condition or because of age and infirmity, we all experience disability to one degree or another. And I've always believed that my success as a person who is blind has a lot less to do with how I feel about it and a lot more to do with how well I manage it. Mm -hmm. And so the the idea that disability is an art, it's an ingenious way to live, inspired the radio program. Mm -hmm. And so in each episode, I try to focus on a person, a product, a trick, a tool, a technique, that can enable and empower people with disabilities to live their best, most ingenious lives. You
0: ran with it, needing, you know, to pick up and learn some audio editing, and
1: you did it. Well, I have to say, you gave me a wide latitude in Mm -hmm. what I was going to talk about, and that was almost a bit dangerous, (laughs) because... because Mm -hmm. I always say I have more ideas than I have days left in my life. Uh But the program, while it does have the underlying theme of Live Your Ingenious Life, certainly has covered a a range of topics so far. I've spoken to a technology expert. Mm -hmm. I've interviewed Brian Hartgen of Hartgen Consultancy. I've spoken to Regina Lark who is a professional organizer, who gave us some tips on how to declutter and organize your life. I did my most recent show on how to enjoy the holidays in a non-visual, eyes-free, accessible way. So I hope to cover a lot of topics that are informational and educational and hopefully entertaining and enlightening. And I thank you for the opportunity, and you're right, it has certainly impelled me to take on a new challenge, but that can't be a bad thing.
0: No. Well, you as with many things that you do, you've done it very, very well. I know you're out there just doing and creating and being and sharing every single day.
1: Unlike many others, I have been privileged with a support system that I think others haven't had. And if I can then translate what I've been given into some platform by which to uplift others, that's just my way of giving back. Do you want to give some contact info? I'm pretty easy to find. (laughs) My name is is Laura Legendary. And for those of you who are wondering, yes, that's really my last name. It's my married name. My husband's name was Billy Ray Legendary. And so you can imagine that I'm privileged and honored to carry on his name. I'm easy to find. Just Google my name and there I am. I have several Twitter accounts. Probably my most active is at accessible underscore info on Twitter. If you're interested in any of my Elegant Insights Braille creations, you can find me on Twitter at Elegant Insights or at ElegantInsightsJewelry.com. And I'm also the co-founder and show host on a podcast called The Fashionability Channel, where we impart fashion style and beauty industry information in an accessible way for people with all sorts of disabilities. And you can find us on Twitter at Inclusive Style or on Facebook at Fashionability or you can find the Fashionability channel on iTunes or Google Play.
0: You've got it all covered. (laughs) Very, very cool. I just wish you the best as you continue on the forefront, just out there feeling those defining moments and making things happen. Thank you, Debbie.